0: Hi, everyone. My name is Natalie Ledwell, and this is The Inspiration Show. Today in the show, I have a very special guest who has a new book out called This Messy Magnificent Life, Uh, who's talking about uh, how we can look at the daily things and situations that come up for us um, and how we can uh, deal with them in a very empowered way. Uh, But before I introduce my special guest today, uh, let me just remind you that if you are watching this show live on Facebook or on our YouTube channel afterwards, don't forget that after the show is over, if you click the link below the video, you can take my 30 second quiz and we can figure out what's holding you back from success. Okay, so please, uh, I'm gonna introduce my special guest today, Janine Roth. How are you, Janine? (laughs) <laughs> great, great. Happy to talk to you. It's always so exciting to be on video. <laughs> I know, right? Um, this messy, magnificent life. I mean, I don't think there's one person that's not watching this show right now that cannot relate to some part of that. <laughs> um, and we will, we're actually going to delve into a, a deeper conversation about what that is and, and how we can navigate through that. But before we do that, why don't we start a little bit about uh, your story and your background and how you got into doing, you know, the work that it is that you do.
1: Yes. Well, most of my work up until now um, has been about using the relationship with food, the conflicted relationship with food and body weight that many people have as a doorway to their inner lives, to their core beliefs about what's enough and deprivation and scarcity and nourishment and pleasure and delight and things like that. And then I decided to expand it because I realized that in my own life, which felt quite messy at times. I did not how to get go. I just didn't know how to get from the messiness of everyday life, which every day it felt like something else was going on, back to what I call the magnificence or the the the, the using the messiness as a way to transform how I felt about myself and being alive. And that had to do with my students too. So I really wanted to get in there into the integration of how all this stuff that I taught about food and change and love, what did that have to do with how I woke up in the morning? And you know how I walked to the bathroom and how I talked to my husband and my friends. And so that's what this book is about. It tackles everyday issues low-level anxiety, discontent, dissatisfaction, the way we blame ourselves and blame other people and things like that.
0: Right. So how should we be waking up in the morning?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, it's um, realizing that uh, we're alive. We made it through another night. Here we are. Yay! Yahoo! Another day on planet Earth. That's what I say to myself almost every day. So uh, there's that, there's waking up and realizing, oh, I'm in my body, here I am, I'm breathing, that's a good thing. Um, Checking into what's right instead of what's wrong. And focusing on that, asking yourself what's not wrong. Sensing your arms, sensing your legs, realizing you have a body. You know, most of us live, like James Joyce called it in his Um, Ulysses' book, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body, and what we're trying to do is actually live in these bodies and use the power of these bodies, really the power and the fact that we're here on earth, we're not just walking minds, to express what we want and what we need to say no, to use our internal GPS system that we already have
0: by virtue of having a body and being incarnated here. Yeah, beautiful. So um, can you describe like one or two of the messy situations you address in the book?
1: I certainly can. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll talk, for instance, about um, the fact that I complained all the time. So every day, every day I'd notice that I'd wake up And I would have a litany of complaints. Oh, I didn't sleep enough. Oh, I don't like the way that my friend talked to me yesterday. Oh, I wish this wasn't happening. It was just, I mean, that's a little more exaggerated than how I'd wake up, but there was a pall of negativity on, and I didn't even realize it on just sort of daily life. And so becoming aware of that, Number one, I started with that practice, ask myself what's not wrong. Number two, I started the non-complaining practice of that's a generalized everyday practice. That was just to do with how I felt about every aspect of being alive, what I ate, where I walked, what I saw, how I talked, how somebody talked to me. So I stopped complaining. And that's, as I say, a fierce practice because most of us don't realize that the bulk of our conversations are complaints and that they're exchanges of complaints and that's what we call relating to people. Yeah.
0: No, exactly. And that's the thing, What you know, uh, we teach a lot here in my movies about, you know, how to focus on what it is that you do want, how to use yes. the language around the goals that we want to, or the things that we want to create. But then when we're doing that, and then we're then talking negatively and passing judgment and complaining, it's like we're sending these mixed signals out into the universe as to, you know, yeah. who we are and how we're showing up.
1: Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. And I think the other practice that I talk about, is, um, uh, well, I talked about asking myself what's not wrong. That's that. And the non-complaining practice. And then there's just really turning towards rather than away from what uh, some discomfort. So I I wrote a piece in the book called The Four-Month Virus. I was sick for four months uh, when I started writing this book. And I was, I was just like, seriously, really? Um, I have this four-month virus, what about those trips? What about all the writing? What about all my plans? And I was so achy and uncomfortable and in a lot of pain. And in order to tolerate getting through that, I really had to accept. So the acceptance was the first, being with was the second, and seeing what I could change versus what I couldn't change. That was the second. You know, one more thing I do want to say, which is related to the first two that I write about in This Messy, Magnificent Life, is that my husband and I lost every cent of our money, every cent of 30 years. And when uh, one of my teachers said to me right afterwards, um, you know, Nothing of any value has been lost. And I said to her, this is not the time to be spiritual. And, you know, I realized that it actually was the time to be spiritual and to start focusing on what I could find and what what wasn't lost. And I realized in that process that it is possible to train your mind, to practice so that you really do see the wonder and the magnificence of daily life. And turn the, mag, the messiness of losing every cent of your money for 30 years, which was shocking and horrifying and terrifying, into another way of being with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you uh, and committed to a year of no, no complaining. I know it's, it's been a little bit longer than that now. But how did that, what did that shift for you?
1: Everything. You know, that's what I would say. I would say that what happened in the year of not complaining is that I started focusing on what was right, not what was wrong, on, on the good in a situation, and also feeling myself much more capable and much more powerful of changing what I didn't want to keep participating in. Because the complaints, kept me on a hamster wheel of just, and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and, um, and kept me running in place is what I would call complaining. When I stopped complaining, not only did I give myself another vantage point, a viewpoint, from which to look at a situation, but I also, because I, in my own mind, I stopped complaining about anybody else, I was able to actually question where might they have been coming from that isn't the story that I'm making up, like, they don't like me, they didn't read my email, they didn't respond to the text, they did this, they did that, and sometimes Most of the time, the story I was making up that I would have complained to Matt about or a friend about had nothing to do with what had actually happened. And that was shocking to see, that I could actually trust in the goodness, give other people the benefit of the doubt in terms of where they were coming from. But while I was complaining, that wasn't even a possibility.
0: Yeah, and isn't it amazing how when you start complaining um, that all you see is the negative, but when you can shift that perspective just a little bit to start looking for what the positive is, it completely changes your energy, the energy of the day, and then all of a sudden all these good things keep coming in. Yes, that's right, because there's a particular
1: lightness and an energetic resonance about not what happens when you don't complain is that you accept that what's happened has happened. Hmm. And since there's no way of making what's happened not happened, you know, it already happened. There's nothing to do about it. It's a totally useless thing. It's like saying, gee, my life would have been better if I had only been born with brown eyes instead of blue eyes or curly hair instead of straight hair. Well, guess what, honey? That boat has sailed. And so the fact that I kept complaining about the boats that had sailed was working against the energetic sort of alignment of the universe, so to speak. And so when, So, not complaining is a way of aligning yourself with what's actually happened so that you and the universe are on the same side. You're not fighting. You're not at war with yourself. You've dropped the war. And that is so helpful. Yeah.
0: And it also sounds like by doing that, by releasing that negative emotion and negative energy around that, you're starting to free yourself out to you know, vibrate or resonate at a higher frequency, which is the yes. frequency of abundance, which is a frequency of the universe. So yeah. it's for that flow then to be able to be opened up. Yes,
1: by assuming and by living as if it was already here, that things were already right, right, even though I couldn't see that. But because I couldn't complain about it, then I was sort of like, oh, now what do I do? I can't complain about it. But there was this kind of, but it's already happening. And so it forced me. It was like it was like being forced into a, warm, a wormhole of goodness and lightness just because I couldn't complain about it. It was extraordinary. And it still is, because I'm still
0: engaging that process. And it sounds like you get to change the story. I mean the event for the event, and for me I think there's twenty sides to every event or every story, but you choose the version of the story that's that's most serving you. Yes.
1: Because I realized I had a choice about what story I was telling myself. It's not, it's just what you said. It's not like there was one story. There were many stories, and I kept choosing the most negative one, the most, the one that cut me off at my knees, the ones that assumed that other people were up to no good. I felt like a little curmudgeon, you know, like hanging out in this little corner of my heart instead of, you know, having a, instead of occupying the big space. That I was constantly being invited into, but I kept saying no. I have to hang out here because things are bad. And so it was that it was, and that's really what I wanted to write about: the process of shifting um, what seems like it couldn't be shifted. Because I felt like, well, ooh, I grew up with negative people and a negative take, and all these negative, difficult, abusive experiences just inscribed into my nervous system. There's nothing to do about it, but.
0: Actually, there was. Yeah. And it sounds like it doesn't matter what circumstances people come from, what age they are, where they live, that it's possible for everyone to be able to do this.
1: Oh, yeah. I work with people in my retreats and workshops from age 18 to 85. Mm. And I just don't feel like there's any, it's all the same. Because, you know, you can be 85 years old and still not be a grown-up. You can be 85 and still have a two-year-old inside you that's sort of saying, what's wrong? People did me wrong. You know, I didn't get what I deserved. I don't like the way this ended up. And so that's what we start questioning, no matter how old you are, so that there can be that lightness and goodness in your mm-hmm. life. The magnificence. So you can use the messiness. That's why I love that title. actually got that title, well, first of all, it's a line in the book, but also a waitress at a restaurant. When I'd been thinking about another title and I mentioned the special magnificent life,
0: she said, "That one.
1: I can relate to that one. Everybody can relate to that one." And I thought, "Okay, that's it then."
0: Yeah, So, um, and and this book is a little different to the the to the Ten you've written beforehand, um, you know, because it was more like your relationship with food. So, what do you think was the biggest insight you got from from writing this one?
1: That that it's really possible in the middle of everyday life, no matter what situation. There is first of all no situation that's unworkable. There is no feeling. That's unfeelable. That that nothing will shatter you when you pay attention to that which is bigger than the feeling. You know, I because there's a feeling and then there's a space through which that feeling passes through. And so I feel like I started out writing this book feeling somewhat and secretly damaged. I mean, after all, I had written all these books and I was an expert, being you know, on Oprah a couple of times. Yes. And still, I felt like, oh, something's wrong and maybe I'm an imposter. And so I, I that was the insight, that there was no situation that was unworkable and that it was possible to use the challenges, the messiness, the, the just the huge... The sort of impact of everyday life to use the very situations we're faced with every single day as a doorway to lightness, to benevolence, to magnificence, to transformation. And one by one, that's what I do in the book.
0: Yeah. Um, I am so excited to read the book <laughs> because, I, and I know that everyone that's watching the show right now can relate to this. You know, we we have situations that show up in our life. Um, life is not uh, like you know smooth sailing. Yes, we have curveballs and things come in, but then to to be able to read a book like this and understand how we can see those uh, situations as gifts and as as opportunities to grow and and to become a better version of ourselves um it's just so wonderful so Janine where where can we send people if they want to connect with you and get their hands on the book
1: yes right well they can go to my website janineroth.com they can there's a big page about the book there and that's probably the best way to get it yeah janineroth.com Beautiful. of course you know, you can go to your local bookstore, you can go to Amazon. you can, I mean, there are five different places to get books. If you want to find out more about me and also more about the book, there is a, a big page about the book there as well.
0: Beautiful. Now, we will have the link uh, either underneath the video. We'll have the banner to the side of the video, so you can click there directly to go straight through to Janine's website from there. So, Janine, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure, as always, chatting to you. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Natalie. Really,
1: thank you.
0: Now, guys, I encourage you to share this video. You can do that by clicking the uh, Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. Um, And also don't forget after the show is over uh, to click the link below the video so that you can take that 30-second course so we can really figure out what's holding you back from success and help you through that. So, guys, until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. All right. See you soon.